If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep your plan, period. If you are among the hundreds of millions of Americans who already have health insurance through your job, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the VA, nothing in this plan will require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey, welcome, my friends, to America's Healthcare Challenge, coming to you live from the sunny Heartland. Beautiful day here in Omaha, Nebraska, as we report the news. Trying to help you learn a little bit about what's happening in the changing healthcare and insurance industry. Sean McGuire here, as always, been in the hot seat here almost five years, joined by Alan Hager today. Alan, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. That's great. We got plenty to talk about here on the program. Breaking news. Well, it's not necessarily breaking, but we have a vice presidential candidate on the Republican side, Mike Pence, uh, announced as Donald Trump's running mate. We will be taking a look at his record as governor, uh, in particular on the program here coming up in uh, one of the later segments, either the second or the third. We're going to look at the Indiana Medicaid expansion experiment, Alan, which is something that we've touched on here on the program, but we thought the uh, listeners might like to know a little bit where he might be at on this issue. We don't both know that uh, they're both opposed to the Affordable Care Act, but I think looking at some of these things might give us a little bit of a light into what's going on over there. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about the Indiana experiment in Medicare or Medicaid, and uh, I, I we've been on the forefront of it. We've talked about how it's an experiment that other states should possibly look at, along with block grants. So getting in depth on it. Can't wait to do that. Yep. And we got plenty of other information. One of the things I've been working on, Alan, uh, this week was President Obama, for the first time in history, folks, a sitting United States president has actually published a scholarly journal. Did you see that article? Yes, I did see that. JAMA, which is the Journal of the American Medical Association. Yes. And so we're going to take some time to look at his his reflections and thoughts on the Affordable Care Act. It was a pretty nice piece. I, I must hand it to him as far as how they organized it. There's uh, over 70 different citations that they use to, uh, oh, I guess, support the position. Uh, however, we've got some some uh, counterpoints, if you will, to, to some of them, uh, which I want to take some time to talk about. What caught your attention this week, Alan? Well, um, there was an article come out all oh, you know, it's been talked about multiple times, but we had another large health insurer decide to drop out of the exchange. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota oh. uh, has stated that, uh, you know, they are expecting to lose $500 million in the individual health plan segment over the next three years. And that uh, while this remains in transition, we don't want any part of it. So that really caught my attention. And then uh, another thing that caught my attention was uh, in the Sacramento Bee out in California, even with health care reform, it's hard to find a doctor. And the whole point of this was, sure, uh, those the, the rate of uh, adults under the age of 65 without coverage has fallen from about 30% to about 11% since the ACA took effect. There's still a shortage of doctors, and you can't get in in a timely fashion. Seventy percent of the time, consumers are unavail uh, unable to schedule an appointment with a doctor in the health care plan. Hmm. So access has a ha has a challenge there. Yeah, and so that's what we that's one of the things we've talked about many, many, many times on this show is, sure you have insurance, but what about access mm -hmm. to use that plan? And it, I can tell you now, I've my, they've canceled my appointment at my provider's office three different times. Really? And hopefully I get to go in and they don't cancel again here on Wednesday. So uh, for me, it's been a, a struggle, too, for access. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's one of the big pieces of, of the puzzle. And one of the things that the ACA and we've covered here on the program has gone, went out to to try and fix and solve that problem of access. And when we break down the president's uh, scholarly journal, art journalist article later, which, by the way, was not peer reviewed. Um, which is, I guess, an important note. But I guess if you're the president, do you really need to be 
peer reviewed. Somebody needs to review it. Yeah. Well, we that's will. What, that's what we're going to do here. But uh, on that point of access, there's a lot in that article that is is discussed about that. But I, I don't think that it covers the whole the whole the whole picture, as you just indicated, of carriers potentially lock, walking out. Uh, from the marketplace and, and other things and also some of the numbers don't quite add up but anyways th that is going to be something that, that we're going to be be talking about and then also uh, I wanted to uh, take the time to uh, set up for the audience over over the next several weeks and months we're going to be uh, providing um, some some uh, educational content here on the program which if you are interested in learning more about what we're up to and, and if this uh, content actually interests you you can give us a call at any time 402-342-1290 and get asked to be put on our mailing list but i am uh looking forward alan to putting together uh one of these um uh, educational uh i guess not forums but uh, you know, series, I guess you, you could say. Right. And we're going to be making those available on CDs. So individuals that really want to, you know, get caught up on, on healthcare, fans of talk radio, fans of us right. uh, can, can check that out because some of the things we're going to be looking at here coming up in the next uh, few weeks here on America's Healthcare Challenge will be tools in selecting your benefit choices for 2017. As you just said, that's going to be a really important conversation. We're going to be looking at um, what's important to different generational groups when it comes to health insurance? Because I think millennials might want something different than maybe baby boomers, for example. Uh, what else? Uh, what are the costliest areas of medical treatment and what can be done to offset those costs? Promote right. John. Remember that yes. uh, conversation? We'll be taking uh, a look at that. By the way, I had a nice conversation with him over the week, Alan. He's uh, sure is an interesting guy. And I'm excited to be uh, contacting some folks here in Omaha uh, larger companies uh, that could really benefit from the things that that organization is trying to do around specialty drugs. Well, and that's an awesome segment that we have out on our SoundCloud page. We we had Promote John from Vivio Health mm -hmm. on the radio, and I'll tell you what, if you want a great education in specialty drugs and how this economy is working with it, listen to those sound, those clips mm -hmm. because we go back to the one and the one question that he had is. Are we asking the right questions? And, and most Americans probably aren't. And so uh, I would say that that is something that you want to listen to because you're going to get the inside scoop on everything you need to know about specialty drugs. Huge issue, folks. Huge issue of specialty drugs. Rapidly uh, rising uh, from a price standpoint. 1% on average of a population. So if an organization has 1,000 employees on the program, Literally, maybe ten people on that uh, out of that whole group could contribute to over thirty percent of the total healthcare spending for for that group. Right, massive, massive. Uh, oh, it's huge. Pain point. Yes, and they're and they're looking to solve it, and so that's going to be something we'll be talking about. Also, in network versus out of network. Surprise medical changes. What can you do about them? Another uh, topic, and then we're going to also spend some time. Uh, covering uh, the senior marketplace. How will the a ACA affect the senior marketplace this year? There's some things, uh, changes in the Medicare program. Uh, how, how are uh, offset, how are the prescription drugs offset and other things? So uh, super exciting here in the near future on the show. Oh, yeah. What I'm, are you looking at over there? Are you watching the news? Yeah, I was just, uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence made an appearance this morning. Uh, so there's a lot of news going around about Governor Pence being the vice presidential nominee. And as you said earlier, we're going to dive into his Medicaid expansion. Yeah, I think we should do Indiana. that uh, right after this break. How about yeah, that? Totally. Yeah, totally. This, uh, this song goes out to uh, Don Bacon. Just this is one of his favorites, so I thought I'd play this time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Good to have you back here in the program. Hey, man, appreciate it. Thanks. Gla glad you're back. You were uh, riding high this week uh, on the radio every day on yeah, the morning show. Had, had a pretty doing good. an awesome job. Thank you yeah. very much, sir. Appreciate it. I, had, I, I called myself Bizarro Matt Tompkins. Bizarro. I'm, like, I'm, like the, <laughs> I'm like the opposite. I'm like the opposite of Matt Tompkins. Well, so. we got Matt the Assassin in the house Matt here. Matt the Assassin. <laughs> He might be sounding off, folks. You might need to watch out here later in the program. He's got some things to say, and he's got a good beard, too. Going for the ZZ yes. Top look uh, <laughs> over time. Might have to play some ZZ Top here on the show. But when we come back, let's take some time to look at this Medicaid
expansion and also educate the listeners a little bit about it. who is Mike Pence. I don't think a lot of people know him, but I had a lot of exposure to him actually when I worked in Washington. I he did was too. in the house. So, I did too. So it'll be interesting uh, to, to talk about, and we will do that right after this here on America's Healthcare Challenge. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Now that you've heard of Sean McGuire and HealthReformExplained.com, maybe it's time for his team to assess your company's situation. We have innovative strategies to help navigate this new maze created by the Affordable Care Act. For more, go to HealthReformExplained.com. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. So our Facebook page.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge has all of the latest segments. We've got uh, we got quite a few likes over over this week, and so go ahead and like that page if you will and are interested. And then you'll be plugged into our, our content syndication here on the show where we uh, we talk about these things, and then we, we dig, dig deeper even more. Uh, for example, uh, on our last uh, blog post on healthreformexplained.com, uh, the show blog. Uh, we have a, a nice article touching on what we visited about last segment, Alan, on uh, explaining rising health care costs, in particular explaining rapidly increasing drug costs on there. And so you can see a, a segment that we, we uh, took from the show and then and broke it down. And uh, it's, it's if you're really interested in this stuff, I, I would recommend it because I think you will learn something and it will benefit your business by knowing this information. And I learn something every time I go on there. And I I contribute on the show, and I <laughs> I learn something new every time I go on that, on the Facebook page or on uh, the website because there's a lot of great information on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's what we do, and we try and at least have a little bit of fun because uh, you know sometimes healthcare isn't the most sexy topic out there, even though it affects every single one of us. It's going to be 20% of our economy very, very soon. Yes. If you were to look at your own personal budget, it would probably be the second largest expense you would have, maybe behind a, behind a mortgage payment. And uh, a lot of things have, have changed as a result of the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. And one of the things that the Supreme Court did, folks, was allow states to opt out of Medicaid expansion, which was a critical component of the Affordable Care Act in that that's how they were expecting to cover a lot of individuals. About half of them were expected to be covered through Medicaid. Several states, not several, but a couple, uh, Ohio decided to take it, uh, take the Medicaid expansion. Uh, most states that did not decide to take the Medicaid expansion, expansion were Republican states. States that decide decided to take it were generally Democratic states, with the exception of Ohio and a few others. But Indiana, Arkansas, and a few others put together kind of their own hybrid approach to Medicaid. And because the Indiana governor, who probably led that charge, is now the vice presidential nominee for Mr. Trump on the Republican side, we thought it would be appropriate to break down a little bit of the Medicaid expansion here on the show and uh, help folks understand what that means. And then maybe we could kind of glean, get a, a glimpse of what uh, he, where he's at on, on health policy. So do you right. have some information over there on it? Okay, so as we've talked about before, other states in the country uh, have went on Medicaid, done Medicaid expansion, and there's all kinds of different ways to do it. The state of Indiana was one of a handful of states who said, no, we don't want to just take the money and do what you want us to do, federal government. We want to do our own thing. We want to make it fit what we need, you know, specific to what our state needs. And so Indiana got a waiver from sec- uh, from uh, the secretary of HHS. I think at the time it was Kathleen Sebelius. And they come up with a plan. A little bit of it was started by Mitch Daniels, the prior governor, mm-hmm. and uh, wish he would have ran. Uh, yeah, he was a he was great. He was a really good uh, fiscal conservative, but he they uh, expanded on what he did, 
And uh, it extended coverage to low-income adults up to 138% of the federal poverty level, or about 16400 per individual. About 345,000 uh, Indiana uh, individuals were enrolled as of January 2016. Even the White House has praised him for important work with the administration to expand Medicaid in his state. Now, this is different than most Medicaid expansion programs because it requires beneficiaries to pay into a health savings account on which they could use for uh, both coverage as well as uh, at the doctor's office or in the hospital. Uh, it required them to have skin in the game, so to speak. Uh, it's not the only thing. It's caught a lot of attention from other red states that didn't want necessarily uh, to take the federal funding for Medicaid expansion uh, with with all the strings that the federal government was attaching to it. So Kentucky has been looking at it. Uh, Nebraska has talked about looking at that. And I am sure uh, many other states are going to look at this because this is, it seems to be uh, doing what it uh, was intended to do. And so uh, while uh, the approach went into uncharted territory for Medicaid, enrollees earning above the poverty line could be locked out for six months if they failed to make monthly payments into their HSA. Uh, depending on their income, it could be as little as $1. The state also charged co-pays as high as $25 for people who vers- visited the emergency room, mm-hmm. uh, which, and the program's exempt from a long-standing Medicaid policy to retroactively cover new enrollees' medical bills for up to three months. So there's a whole lot of things to this. And we talk about Mike Pence being a big, or a small government conservative, this is right in the line with that, I think. And so he tells it as conservative. Uh, and so um, I would suggest people look into it. There's a poli- nice Politico article uh, from earlier this month about Mike Pence's Medicaid expansion. In fact, Virginia's Governor Terry McAuliffe is actually uh, touting it as a way for the state of Virginia to uh, get Medicaid expansion in the state of Virginia. Well, it's just at least nice to see some innovation from the states on these things because I think that's what's going to need be needed in order for, for all these things to work. Well, and that's what we've talked about. The states are the incubator of ideas mm-hmm. and that the states need to be the ones who are coming up with these ideas on how to fix problems in their state, not the federal government. And that's when we talk about free market solutions and liberty you try to get to the lowest common denominator, and that would be, you know, government closest to you, the individual, that makes decisions for you. And so, I, I give a lot of kudos for to Indiana for coming out with different ideas. Mm-hmm. When you worked out there in, in the house, and you, you had some exposure, to yeah. Mr. Pence, and I, I, I always like to tell uh, the story of, I guess it would have been, probably six or well, seven years ago at least, maybe more. When gas prices were high, and we're we're really blessed to have prices of gas where they are, because remember when they were four or five dollars? Oh yeah, a gallon. And uh, this was when the Democrats were in control of the House, but they went to recess early after, well, without having a vote on gas prices, uh, some relief for for that. And uh, the Republicans, I guess, did a sit-in on the uh, House floor, similar to what the Democrats have recently done. But I, I remember being there. I was a young Senate staffer, and since I had my badge, I could go anywhere I wanted. So I, I was able to just go right down to the the House floor and sit there and watch. And it was really, I mean, for a political junkie, it was awesome because they're just sitting there throwing red meat. You well, yeah, I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, and and the great thing about Mike Pence is he's he's a media guy. He was a radio talk show host, so he's doing what we're doing. Yeah, well, maybe that's and, why I liked him. And so— yeah. I mean, the guy had a whole radio suite in his office. I mean, that's how much he loved the radio. Was he, he had a whole radio suite in his office, and he would jump on whatever radio. I mean, it was easy for him to connect into radio stations. He had a whole suite there. It was awesome. And so the guy is a natural behind the mic. He's a natural in front of a crowd. So it'll be very interesting to see how he operates and i had the opportunity to work with him on you know all kinds of different things and very smart 
uh, very polished, and, and I will look forward to seeing how he contrasts. And I think they did a good job of contrasting him with Hillary this morning. You know, Mike Pence is very honest, trustworthy individual, and we all know what Hillary is. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they continue down that path uh, here in the next several months. I almost like the uh, vice presidential debate more <laughs> sometimes. Just well, because they don't get the attention. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll be interested. You know, I'd like to see how he performs. Remember the last VP debate where it's Paul Ryan versus Joe Biden, and Biden was all over the place. I, I don't know. Biden what, got his butt he kicked. Drank, he drank so much caffeine or something. I mean, every time he tried to yeah. do anything, he he really uh, was demonstrative. But I think Pence will be more of that traditional uh, debater. And I do remember that time him just standing there. I could just tell right there that like there's a guy that kind of has that uh, it factor for a politician. You know, because you got the chance to see him wait in line as 20 of his other peers who are also professional politicians went up there and gave a speech and none oh, of yeah. them were as good as, as he was. No, And they're he, all basically yeah. saying the same thing. But. but but again, I think he has that wow factor on, on a mic or in front of a, a group. People are saying that, you know, he may come off a little wooden or a little stiff. You know, you know what? <laughs> Those of us who are on radio might sometimes be called wooden or stiff, and I got no problem with that, you know. Because here's the thing: when they're, you know, I was listening to CNN this morning when they were talking about it, and you know what? Here's the thing: your vice president and your president aren't going to agree on every single issue. In fact, George H. W. Bush never agree, didn't agree with Ronald Reagan on economic issues. Bush called it voodoo economics. Okay, while they were running against each other. So give it a break and get off this. Oh, they got to agree 100% on the issues because that's the problem we're in right now. We have too many people saying, oh, you know, I, you, we can't negotiate. Negotiation is a horrible word. It's a bad word. It's an evil word. Give me a flipping break, guys. The way we got into this problem is nobody's willing to negotiate, not even on health care. Mm-hmm. You got to find middle ground and work together on things. Well, as indicated by Medicaid expansion, which I guess we're kind of in a roundabout way talking about, uh, that is an example of them mm-hmm. at least trying to work with what they have. And, and you know what? Uh, making uh, the, the beneficiaries have to pay a copay. I mean, even if it's a dollar a month, like yeah. just something, having to pay just, just something, yeah. I think is. A little skin in a game isn't that bad. It's just the mental thing. It doesn't yeah. matter how many zeros. No, it is. It's like you have to physically dig into your pockets and, and hand this over exactly. before the service. And so uh, they did that. People are in favor of that uh, out there. So that, that's always a, a great thing. So why don't we take a, a time out here before we shift gears to uh, President Obama's historic uh, journal post, which was called. Let's see here. United States Healthcare Reform, Progress to Date and Next Steps. Not the sexiest title out there, but it is what it is. And we will break down uh, this article. Pretty well written. Got, got to give it to them. They, they back it up. But I've got some, some points of my own that I'd like to make. And we will do that when we come back next. And then after that, we've got an important announcement. It's uh, National Disability Awareness Month. And we've got uh, a great event happening over in Stinson Park. And we're going to be joined by Janet Miller, who, who will be uh, explaining to us uh, what's happening there and uh, talking about what their organization is doing to help individuals in that space. So we will be back here on America's Healthcare Challenge right after this. Again, you can check out our Facebook page, dot com slash America's Healthcare Challenge for this segment and others on our SoundCloud page. We'll be right back. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomenandatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They say every business should have an elevator pitch. Here's ours. 
We are E.D. Bellis, a consulting company specializing in healthcare reform, helping businesses navigate the new law. For more, go to healthreformexplained.com. Not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Oh, another resource for information and the latest news is the Edie Bellis Twitter handle, at America's Canary. The canary in the coal mine, you'll see their little logo, the yellow canary. That is what that organization does, keeps up with all of the changes for you so you can focus on running your business online at edbellisinc.com. And we're going to take a moment here, folks, to uh, look at a, a historical uh, thing that happened here on July 11th, 2016. President Obama, the first U.S. president, actually uh, publishing a journal article, Alan, which is is a, I think is a pretty difficult process to to get your uh, to it get is. through that you have to get yes. it peer reviewed by a bunch of different people yes and uh, I was told and read that it was not peer reviewed which is this fine. was I mean, not n- nobody's gonna and I looked at all the cite citations and I'm not gonna you know dispute any of them but I will dispute some of the analysis just because of my own personal experience traveling and talking to individuals talking to businesses. Some of the things that they're telling me don't necessarily line up with what he's telling me. But first of all, I'll ask your reaction, Alan, and then we'll dive in here to uh, going through these five sections uh, of the law. And, folks, you can check out my analysis of this. I'm almost done just putting up my finishing touches, so we'll have it on the website, Health Reform Explained, this Monday. You can find my analysis uh, in the pen uh, on this. But, Alan, what did you think of it when you saw it? Well, I— you know, I go back to, we were talking about the peer review piece of it. Mm-hmm. The JAMA editor-in-chief, Howard Bachner, said that this article or this uh, re scholarly article went through two months of fact-checking, multiple edits and revisions. So take it for what you want on that piece. Um, I found it very interesting. I disagree with a lot of his assessments in uh, this article. Um, he still calls for a public option in it um, which I completely disagree with and being a free market person I think that I would completely disagree with a uh, public option in any way Um, but it is refreshing to see that he's trying to justify what he's done on healthcare over the last seven plus years Mm -hmm. I mean this is his Signature domestic achievement. That mm-hmm. this is achie- his achievement. Yeah, this, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, some people do. Some people don't. I think the jury's still out personally. But let's take some m- couple minutes here, folks, to break down uh, some of the things. It starts with a with a context and an introduction. And uh, in the introduction, he really lays out kind of the major pieces in favor of uh, of. Of national health reform, and this kind of takes us back to 2008, 2009, maybe even before that, talking about how costs, healthcare costs affecting the economy, the federal budget, and everybody, uh, every single person's financial well-being. We've <laughs> nothing new, and that we would disagree with that. And then he launches into talking about when he first took office and some of the the things that that caused him to do this. Remember the the Affordable Care Act is almost like a cat. It had it has to have had 9 lives at, at this point. At least 9 lives. It really does if you look at how many times it has survived going it survived the congressional process. It survived the the, the fact that the public was so mad at the House version that they blew up the switchboard in the United States Capitol cuz so many people were calling in and it shut Took down. Took it down. Mm-hmm. And, and and other things and anyways, he breaks breaks down those things about how healthcare is 
is it's one and sixth of our economy. So it's a massive problem. And one point one out of seven Americans in 2008 did not have insurance. And so we've talked about this uh, on the future or in the, in the past on the show that giving people insurance was really the fundamental number one major issue in the law. I mean, that's one section of the 10 titles, but it really is where a lot of the legislative focus went. Right. And then the second part of the ACA, which is the stuff that nobody ever gets to, and it's having a huge impact on providers, which is reforming the, the health care delivery system. That gives a credible amount of authority to the executive branch to really essentially decide how Medicare reimbursement is, is going to be. And I saw an article this week saying that Healthcare providers have absolutely nothing, no idea what's coming as a result of of this macro legislation, no. which I would I am now calling healthcare reform 2.0, in my opinion, because it it changes it so much, and so that's that that that's a separate conversation. But b- back to what he was saying on people having insurance, uh, that was a problem, and so the question is, have we executed well enough for? Uh, the people that put the law together as in do, do we have enough people uh, on there are the numbers working and what we've found at least from the experts that we've talked about that answer would be no there's not enough people signing up and so the first thing that caught my attention alan was in many times he cites all of these new individuals with insurance and the number that they're using is 20 million individuals with insurance and or i don't 25 believe, to be exact yeah and i don't know that we've got that far I don't think we have that many people signed up for the program. And we do know for a fact that last year alone, 1.6 million Americans signed up for a plan but then didn't pay for the rest of the year. So they signed Which up. Which technically doesn't count. Correct. So I, that's my point. So I'm saying they're, they're, they're citing numbers that, that I, I think are, are not all there. Well, I think that you could say that there's you know those numbers are prepaid prepayment you know, people who go on the website and actually sign up, yeah, but don't just, pay their premium, which is not the way they have counted. They you, can't. They've not counted the, like that in the past, and so to come out and say twenty-five million people have signed up for health insurance out of uh, forty-nine million—that's kind of disingenuous in the way they present those numbers. I'm going to quote it right now under. Spanning and improving coverage, quote, the number of uninsured individuals in the United States has declined by 49 million in 2010 to 29 million in 2015. So that's yeah. 20 million yeah. that, they're, that they're looking at. This is by far the largest decline in uninsured rates since the creation of Medicare and Medicaid five decades ago. I'll give you that 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 argument, but I'm, I'm my point is there aren't 20 million people signed up right now. No, no that's my point. That's what we've been saying the whole time is – at most, I think the the real number is closer to eleven. Yeah, than, it really than 20. is. Like it's not. It's not twenty million, and we're already having problems affording eleven million. Mm-hmm. And look at your co-ops. How many co-ops are another still around? The, another one bit. Another the one dust. bit the dust in Oregon this week, right? The, yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, how many insurance providers have to go before this thing gets stopped in its tracks because there are no insurance companies left, only maybe two or three? Quote, early evidence indicates that expanded coverage is improving access to treatment, financial security, and health for the newly insured. Some, but but not all, because we've been talking about how many times have we had people come on the program talking about how unaffordable the deductibles now are well yeah they've just cost they've just shifted the cost back onto the back of consumers and insurance carriers in the sense that okay if how how much has medical collections increased how much has debt collection increased i i would be interested to see the numbers on that because if you can't afford it and you go to the doctor and you get stuck with a five thousand dollar bill and you can't pay it, you know where that bill goes. It goes to a debt collector. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pay them, then it, they sue you. They sue you. So I would love to see how much this has in, increased in the uh, debt collections as well as courts. 
are saddled up with medical costs, lawsuits. And the section building on progress to date uh, talks about uh, more on this delivery system concept, Alan, uh, this delivery system reform, and also what can and should be done to enhance competition in the marketplace as well. First of all, there's going to be no marketplaces at this point, especially when the largest insurer of the country, United Healthcare, pulls out of 38 of them. Right. So how do you how do you increase increase those things? Uh, just a rhetorical question. Yeah. Throwing that out there. And the third, uh, um, he's saying that the marketplaces are working. And then finally, he says, although ACA included policies to help address prescription drug costs, they have, uh, especially for approvals of biosimilar drugs, which is like I believe it's like a generic to uh, uh, for uh, those things. <laughs> That uh, that is uh, something that I that I would say, but we do have a caller with a with a question for us, and I don't want to uh, keep rambling on and leave them holding. So, who is on the line there, Matt? We've got. Uh, <laughs> I guess we don't have their name, but they do have <laughs> have a pretty good question for you that you're not going to want to miss. Before we get that, I'm going to give uh, the final section before we get to this question from from our caller. Uh, lessons for future policymakers. And this, Alan, is where he brings up the public option and needing that. And just to refresh people's memories, the public option is essentially what eroded any bipartisanship opportunities that were uh, in health care reform. And so right. that's getting reintroduced. And yep. if you actually read it closely, there's plenty of opportunity in the ACA for public option to be to be brought up. I it's mean, they only about 4,400 words. Yeah. So it's not that hard to read. Yeah. Exactly. It's hey, not 2,300 pages. <laughs> Greg, on America's Healthcare Challenge, how's it going today? Uh, going well, going well. And I got a question when you're talking about the insurance companies who's going to be left standing, and I wanted to know what happened to Ben Nelson and what insurance company he went to work for. Uh, well, he didn't necessarily go to work for an insurance company. He went to go to in, he went to work for the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. So the Association of Insurance Companies. Well, commissioners. Oh, okay. So basically, the guys who regulate the industry. Well, he's done a really good job, then, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, don't you think that it's all uh, designed to eliminate carriers and go to a single payer? At, at some time or another, the guy, that's what the government plan is, to have a, just a single-payer system. <laughs> Greg, you've got two people nodding over here. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I'm going to say I, I, I don't know my, my personal answer because I, I go between was that the case, did they actually set it up, or were they just so stupid and don't know how to put together a piece of legislation that can stand on itself? Well, let's remember we they abdicated their authority by giving all the ability to, to the Secretary of Health and Human Services to write the law, so... I think the whole intent was to implode a lot of the healthcare marketplace and the government tries to come in and save the day because at the end, let's remember a lot of the, they're the three R's, they're the three R's that are in place right now to try and bail out the insurance industry, you know, well, this, risk corridors, risk assessments and uh, reinsurance. And what's the, the dreaded uh, saying? I'm, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Exactly. So, well, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Hey, Greg, thanks for the call. appreciate it. 402-342-1290 if you want to chime in. Any final thoughts before we uh, switch gears? We've got uh, a guest coming up here in the next segment. Hey, if you want to blame somebody for this thing, man, the Cornhusker kickback guy, Ben Nelson, isn't far from uh, taking responsibility. And think about it. He he quit. He didn't even want to run for re-election because people were so mad in this state about getting the Affordable Care Act shoved down their throat. So, yeah, you can blame Ben Nelson for a lot of things, and this is one of them that you should blame him for. But the question is, how do we fix it? Well, that's why we have this show, and uh, we've got plenty of ideas. I think they should start listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. Well, we have 600, episodes, or 600 clips talking yeah, about it. And many more, including one great one coming up for you next here on the program. It's uh, National Disability Month here, and uh, we've got Janet Miller, from UNMC joining us uh, on the program to talk about a neat event they've got going down at uh, Stinson Park uh, here coming up at the end of this month. So she'll be joining us uh, to, to fill us in a little bit about what their organization does and maybe get you to go down there. I think you should. I'm planning on going down there. 
It's going to be a good time. So 402-342-1290, if you want to call uh, during the last segment, uh, we'll take uh, some calls. But coming up next, we've got Janet Miller here on America's Healthcare Challenge back right after this. to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. You could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Are you a business owner seeing your bottom line squeezed by rising health care costs? I'm Sean McGuire, and I founded E.D. Bellis Healthcare Consulting to provide health reform consulting so that your business does not get caught off with all the uncertainty in Washington. I was there on Capitol Hill when the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, was created, and I have read the entire bill. Let me guide you through the maze of the American bureaucracy as you adapt to changing government rules and regulations that will impact your organization regardless of size. I offer custom services, including cost reduction strategies, training seminars for you and your employees, and strategic planning to help you prepare for the future. Regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, this issue is here to stay. Contact me today for a free consultation at www.healthreformexplained.com. That's www.healthreformexplained.com. At E.D. Ballas, we know healthcare. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. E.D. Bellis is a healthcare reform consulting company with valuable information that is up-to-date and easy to understand. We have solutions to manage compliance, minimize penalties and taxes, and all other options. Check out healthreformexplained.com. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. If I was driving right now listening to the show and I was thinking to myself, you know what, this sounds pretty good. Where could I get more information? Uh, the answer would be uh, to you is check out healthreformexplained.com, which is the show blog. That has my uh, my all right articles and stuff like that about uh, some of the changes that are happening. Going to be spending some more time doing that here in the month of August. It's going to be content time, Alan. We got to right. step up our game. Oh yeah, I mean, we've got so much in clips, and a lot of it's just starting to come fruition. We've got to take advantage of that. Maybe we need to get some artificial intelligence in here to uh, go through some of those segments. Yeah, maybe we need to talk to Trent. Yeah. A few times yeah. about it. Have to get Trent Majors back on the show. That was always yeah. a great conversation. Having him, we're, we're going to be uh, joined by Janet Miller here uh, on the program here shortly uh, to talk about the upcoming event at Stinson Park. It's uh, the Regional 6 Developmental Disabilities Council, Disability Pride in Omaha, which is coming up, I guess, that would be two weeks from today on right. July the 30th in Exarban Village. Uh, it'll be a part of the Saturdays at the Concert Series, sponsored by Pacific Life and Blue Cross. Right. And uh, the best part of it is it's going to be free. And so uh, I'm going to make sure to get that on my calendar. Uh, I don't know about if you've got it, anything going. No. We it, might have to go over there yeah. after the show or something. Yeah. Well, totally. it starts at 645. But. Well, we could hang out around. Mm -hmm. There's lots of good eateries over there, so we could partake and then go over. Balloon artists. That'll be a great family fun uh, event. Yeah, so bring uh, the family. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have face painting, uh, blankets, uh, umbrella, coolers, mm -hmm. or you can bring that, I guess. Uh, but they're going to have play. They got playground equipment and, and other things. So that's certainly something that uh, you're not going to want to miss. And if we can uh, connect with her, we'll bring her on to talk a little bit more about that. But let's uh, take take a chance to uh, let's let's shift gears a little bit here. 
uh, to, to look. And we like to save the last segment, Alan, to kind of just talk about some future things, uh, the, the future of healthcare, or right. some of the things that are catching our attention um, w- with regards to those things. Anything, anything on your radar? What's been on my radar has been I've been reading this uh, the medical futurist blog and they put put out posts nearly every day about how things like how virtual reality will literally change your 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 care experience and other things. Anything neat? Well, I or think new virtual virtual reality. I think telemedicine, telehealth, using uh, your own home computer to visit the doctor, or even a pharmacist with telepharmacy mm. uh, is. Uh, getting more and more implemented even the use of 3d printers in in a hospital setting to even model for example intermountain healthcare in utah used a 3d printer to uh model a liver that had a cancer tumor in it and they were able because it where the the tumor was was going to be very difficult to uh get out and so they built the a 3d model of the liver with the tumor in it and figured out how to do it without harming the patient. And so being that they're using 3d printing now to do that thing, I don't think it's far off to, to say that we'll be able to use 3d printers at some point for transplants or even to replace organs or things that aren't working. I don't think it's that far off for drug. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the Minecraft mentality that are these young kids like my 10-year-old who play Minecraft, they're just going to be able to do whatever they want and build a house. Oh, I'm sick of this area. Knock it down, build it right back up. That's possible. Like, Yeah. It, it, it sounds hard to imagine, but you could literally – they're saying you could knock a house down and then literally just through a 3D printer take all of that and – Put it right back through and build a new, print, a new room or a new house. So, I mean, we're, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how much are we willing to invest in those technologies? Because I think the future of medicine is a lot in 3D printing. What about virtual reality? Have, oh, you, have you had an experience with that yet? Do yeah. I've been able to play with Google Glass. I've been able to play with some of the different VR sets that you put on your face and you go into a world yeah, it's amazing. And eventually you're going to see doctors, I think, be able to use VR in a way that is going to benefit the patients immensely. You know, whether it's Promote John or our, our friend Adam Matar, uh, mm-hmm. who talks about our AI all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might want to get Adam on the show to talk about AI mm-hmm. because I think that that's really where, you know, the... Uh, the money is going to be made is is in AI and being able to do things with artificial intelligence that we never thought was possible before. Like they can literally, for example, run, run your human, your IT department, uh, a, a supercomputer could just do it. Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about being able to self-correct computers that have problems on the fly. You know, we built with a, uh, AI there's applications out there that can help s- fix computers that are blue screening just by running an app. Really? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it here on the show. Some of the different types of technology out there that can uh, do things like that. And so, uh, and I think we've had guests on the show to, who have talked about stuff like that. So uh, I think that, you know, there's got to be a back end and people have got to run the technology, but I think that your tech shop isn't going to be as big as it once was in 20 years. I mean, it's, it's clear. It's obvious. Hmm. So, it's crazy. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, exciting stuff. If you're a, a business owner, some of the opportunities that, yeah. that might be out there, but yeah. What if you're a healthcare provider? Uh, of care, which they these folks I just feel so sorry for because they didn't get much uh, opportunity to, to be at the table negotiating uh, all of these changes that are directly affecting them. I guess their trade associations did. Well, the, the AMA did, and or, and other, other trade associations that a lot of these doctors belong to did. Um, I don't know how you'd get 
a hundred thousand doctors to be able to be at the table yeah <laughs> to to make these decisions so you know i mean it is what it is kind of sort of i mean that's why we have a representative democracy so well for on that front i think in you know, looking at the future for for healthcare providers this i guess i call it healthcare reform 2.0 or macra mm-hmm is is just really 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 from what i'm seeing disrupting uh, some things and a small percentage of people are actually prepared for it it's having negative consequences on smaller practice groups ca- causing them to uh, merge or consolidate with with other practice groups to have bigger uh, uh, bargaining power with insurance well companies. we've talked about that on the show how you know, the small independent practitioner is... Dr. Weatherby's done. Yeah, it's not going to be that. It's going to be belong to a large uh, physician group to be able to make ends meet. So... It's just different time. I think, yeah. I think there's going to be, from a patient standpoint, I think there's going to be a big learning curve for people to kind of... That might have been used to going to that, that doctor. There mm-hmm. might be some, be some changes. Let me bring in Matt... Barrows, uh, Matt the Assassin, uh, off of uh, sitting in the hot seat uh, here every day this week. You're, you're kind of uh, listening in on, on this uh, over here. Is, is there anything that um, you're excited about in the future of healthcare, or do you think it's all doom and gloom? I, that's, I mean, that's, that's a real, I mean, as far as the way it's going right now, I, I don't have a lot. I'm not very optimistic as the way it's going right now. I mean, I, I have, you know, I, I've gone. For, I've had every type of feeling and emotion and thought that could go into this. I mean, like the caller said, is it intentional? Are, are, are our leaders intentionally taking us to a single payer system? You know, I've, I've thought, I've put, I've put the other uh, side of the liberal uh, kind of mindset together with the, the depopulation issue that there's too many people on earth. I've, I've paired that with this healthcare situation before in some, you know, in a late night, maybe I've had one, one or two too many. And <laughs> I start having these thoughts. I don't know, man. I mean, it just from where it look, where I'm sitting right now and the way it looks right now, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't give me any feeling of optimism as far as where we're headed in our current state, you know, and I'm hoping that um, we can do something to, uh, you know, put us on a different course than we're on right now. I would agree with most of that assessment, uh, especially right now, it, you know, it's, but it is in some ways a volatile time. They're still trying mm-hmm. to work things out. Yes. But there are some things to be optimistic about, like technology, that, like artificial intelligence and other things. I just hope that's available to the to the common person. Well, that's what I'm getting at with that comment. Oh, right, because it could almost be a situation where if technology does take over the system, only the those with means to afford it can have access. So right. what? So right. the rich are going to be living to be... Kind of like how it works right now with all the other stuff. <laughs> we're, we're in the matrix, folks. We're in the matrix. And you know what? Uh, this fall, you're going to have the opportunity to take the red pill or the blue pill. And uh, this is a, a big election. And so that's why we do this show as a public service sponsored and produced by Edie Bellis, which is online at edbellisinc.com, to give you at least enough information on this issue, which should be an important issue that you're considering. Uh, when you go to make your choices in, this fall. And so until next week, we will be continuing the fight. And uh, you can, again, check out healthreformexplained.com and the Facebook page. See you next week, Alan. See you next week. All right. Take care.